a rock lobster. I, I don't even want to. Welcome to Totem Talks. <laughs> we all have matching towels. <laughs> See, isn't it fun right, when we, we all had, get involved? We had fun. Uh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Totem Talk, Season 3, Episode 5. Do you know something, Pat? I know something. That means uh, not including our many wonderful nonlinear episodes of all of the regular episodes on the schedule where we've analyzed three artists and given grades. Do you know what number episode this is? Oh, I know what number it is. It's episode... Okay, great. That's really all I wanted to get out of the way. Good. Uh, well, thank you for joining us on this episode, um, and have a great night. <laughs> we just wanted to have yeah. that drop. That's of it. Of course. Uh, no, we we did actually do our listening. We were good boys this week. Always. I, I feel like it's every single episode that we <laughs> just say a joke in the beginning and go, all right, guys, have a good yeah. one. Yeah, one, one day we days. have to do it. Oh, yeah. of course. Okay. One day we're going to actually just end the episode that right, way. Right, right. Uh, so what's up, people? Um... We're here. We're here. We listen to stuff uh, with varying degrees of success and or enjoyment, Agreed. I would say. Uh, and we're here to tell you about them. But first, we're here to tell you about us. This is Totem Talks, and I'm Pat. And I am Nick. And I'm Alex. And we did it. Great. Uh, is there one Tucker. other thing that you want to talk about real quick before we move on? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, one thing that we're doing, uh, I mentioned some stuff uh, recently about uh, this this record company called Least of All that we're working with to uh, to get some some stuff out, which uh, I think is going to be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're we're doing that where we're going to be recording personalized single versions of our songs from our album Lifetime Left to Go, and uh, the pre order is available now, and it's on our website and on our social media, mostly our social media. Uh, that's the easiest spot to find it. Alex painstakingly made what's called a link tree. Yes. Uh, and on that link tree is our link to pre-order that. Yep. Exactly. See? Right. Take take the credit. Take a bow. Oh, th- thank you. Thank you all. Thank uh, you all. There he is. I'm bowing. I would applause, but I got rid of that one years ago, that drop. Years ago? We've only been a podcast for you know a little bit over a year. Exactly. And I got rid of it very quickly. Wow. Seasons ago. How about that? Seasons ago. So, Nick, what, what uh, artists are we doing Thank today? you for asking. Uh, so, I'm sure no one could guess uh, the first artist that we're going to cover based on I'm going to say nobody could still guess. Yeah, you're right. There's no I'm way. I'm willing to say. So, I'm going to go ahead and just end all of your suffering. Uh, the B-52s are the first artists we're going to cover. Yeah. Uh, followed by Alan Stone and then the Righteous Brothers, finally. That's true. Yes. That's true. That's great. So, I mean, without any further ado, Pat, could you tell us a little bit about the B-52s? Sure, I can. Um, Which, here's what I think is, okay, so I'm just going to say it. If you go on the Wikipedia for the B-52s, you have the B-52s styled as, and then it's the exact same thing. Yeah, that's strange. No, there's an apostrophe. You know what I, Oh, I'm sorry, the apostrophe. So, that's the, so in 2008, they went, you know what, guys? I don't think we need this apostrophe anymore. But here's the thing. The apostrophe was making it possessive. So the B-52's what? Yeah. It never made sense for there be, to be an apostrophe there. But, like, why would like, they? So it took them 40 it, years to come up It took them 40 that? years for someone to consult, like, an editor. And they were like, you know, it does the B-52's what? What does what belongs Sorry, to the b 52 Sorry, technically only took them 32 years. Yeah. But I, I don't want to round I, up I'm so much. glad that you said that because it was bothering me yeah. the entire time. 
Well, either way, uh, the B-52s or the B-52s is an American new wave band formed in Athens, Georgia in 1976. Classic Athens, Georgia sound. Gotta love it. That's yeah. that Athens, Georgia sound all the way through. Uh, so they've been active all the way from 1976 to the present day. Uh, no breaks, no breakups, no gaps. Right. According to uh, my note sheet here. Sure. You, do, you, do you know Other how, how they formed? Uh, yeah, it was like a jam session. No, so I think they all met because they were at a Chinese restaurant. According oh, to Wiki- this yeah, is yeah, according yeah. to Wikipedia, and they shared a flaming volcano drink, and then apparently somehow that led to a jam session. Which perfect. yeah, they I formed. You know how it always like, does. Yeah, of course. They formed in October of 1976 after drinks at a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, go figure. And we are all changed forever for it. Exactly. Of course, of course. So, which three records do we listen to? Uh, well, we listened to, of course, their eponymous, although now outdated, very outdated debut album, the B-52s with the apostrophe. Right. Uh, that came out in 1979. Uh, then we followed that up with Cosmic Thing from 1989, and then we closed it out with Funplex from 2008. Exactly. Which I would assume now it's it's after the change, right? So now uh, they're the B-52s so. without the apostrophe, right. so we yep. get to hear the difference in that yeah, sound. Yeah, that should be huge. And there's quite a difference. Quite. Um, so I would just love to start because there are a few things that I want to say. Sure. Absolutely. Go okay, for great. it. Okay, great. So uh, the B-52s is an incredibly critically acclaimed record. Uh, it is pretty much received a 9 out of 10 uh, or 5 out of 5 or an A from pretty much every uh, music grading professional I think I know ever in history. Uh, it was also ranked 158, I believe, on the first two iterations of Rolling Stone's top 500 greatest albums of all time. But it has since been pushed down to 198. Uh, and this album is terrible. It's so bad. I have no idea <laughs> how it got that high. And now I'm singing <laughs> like I'm Fred Schneider. Um, oh, so man. that those impressions that we did of Fred Schneider at the beginning are pretty much, that's what it, it is. Yep. It's just like some very bland and repetitive new wave music. And then there's a guy going like this. And yep. it's it's just so incredibly difficult to listen to. Um, there, the one song that you would know on here for sure is Rock Lobster, um, which, you know, of all the B-52 songs there are, I guess I don't mind Rock Lobster just because that song, I think we can all just acknowledge that it's a meme. And that it's popular because of how ridiculous it is, not because it's a great musical achievement. Uh, and that's pretty much what I think of the B-52s. Like, pe- they are popular in, like, kind of a kitschy, gimmicky way. Like, there's no way anyone enjoyed this because they thought, like, great musicianship and art was happening. I think it was just kind of a funny little gimmick. That's my take on how they got popular. Uh, but I must just say, uh, our dear, dear friend... Robert Criscow. Okay, hold on. Do you no, want to guess what uh, what grade he I'm gave this I'm going album? to guess that Robert Criscow gave this an A minus. He gave it a full A, no minus. Oh my gosh, even worse. A full A, and and he highlighted in particularly the song called "Dance This Mess Around," a song which to which the lyrics are essentially "Dance with me, I'm not cheese. Dance with me." I'm not no Limburger, right? Because she keeps saying she's not no Limburger over and over again. Yeah, so basically, the, so the lyrics bad. are "I'm not cheese, I'm not cheese, I'm not cheese," and then they list several dances, and that's it. Like that's yeah. it. 
it's horrible. It's it's, it's so not bad. good at all. And he's like, this is the greatest track from the greatest album. And I just can't wrap my mind around. I can't wrap my mind around anyone liking this album in any way other than ironically or enjoying this band in any way other than ironically. That's how I feel. And uh, now I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to say a couple things real quick. I don't want to go into it. I'm going to let you talk, okay, Alex. But I just want to say a couple things about Rock Lobster. So one of which is going to be a quick little Six Degrees of Totem Talks. From this season, we did mention that Panic at the Disco sampled Rock Lobster. They did. On their song, Don't Threaten Me With a Good Time from Death That's of a true. Bachelor. So just wanted to throw that out there and that we're bringing that back. And then the second thing, uh, my first experience with the song Rock, Rock Lobster was from my little brother, uh, whose name is Josh. Shout out to Josh, who does not listen to this podcast. Of I course. Uh, he had uh, this series of films called The Veggie Tales. Okay. And in the Pirates Who Don't Do Anything movie from The Veggie Tales, they had a song called Rock Monster. I see. And it's exactly what you think it is. It's Rock Lobster, right. sung by Veggie Tales, who are, ding, ding, I'm sorry, ding, ding, who are ding, anthropomorphic ding, ding, vegetables. Ding. Oh, okay. I, I would like you to know, I, I've watched that before and like i just had an epiphany because you mentioned that and i'm like that's where i first <laughs> yeah, heard this song exactly Amazing. what it is oh my Amazing. god um okay so which, which by the way rock monster makes more sense than rock lobster yeah yeah but they're at the it, beach of course it where does. everybody had matching towels yeah i guess that's I why mean, there was a uh, lobster it's so bad it's well it so was a rock bad. but it wasn't a rock it was a rock lobster, lobster. <laughs> Uh, uh, are you all finished up, Pat? Because I, I, I just did that, and I'll I'll go later. But you can go. Gotcha. Um, so I like I, I tried to like this album, but I didn't. <laughs> um, I think I would enjoy it if, if I was at a concert and they were playing, and like I I just wanted to dance because I think at this time everyone just wants to dance and have a good time. And that's what the B-52s yeah. are all about. Yeah, it's definitely... But, that's, but so they're not good that, songs. Yeah. Like that's when you, right. When you're, when you're not dancing, when you're sitting there listening to the songs, like, trying... What the hell is right. happening? Yeah, you're like, this... What? This isn't good. <laughs> that's the part that boggles my mind about all of its critical acclaim. Exactly. Like, if this album just did really well in sales and like because had a lot the, of fan the discos praise, but the wanted to put it on or whatever. It, sure. I totally get that. But, like, the fact that all these critics are like, this is what true art is. Like, oh, my God. It's, yeah, I like, don't understand. Like, John Lennon loved this. Although, granted, John Lennon, shortly before his death, was not right. making the best music. Certainly not. Um, so, just he, he admittedly had bizarre tastes. That is true. He also enjoyed Yoko Ono. So, let's just throw that out there. Yeah. But a lot of the songs just get, like, are just really stagnant. Like, they'll have, like, yeah. a beat or something. And there's no, like, build. There's no, like, decay. It's just all very flat. Exactly. And and it's and it, it, it just felt like a waste of my time. Yeah, I fully agree with you. I'm done now. Too. All right, Patrick. Okay. So just a couple things because I, I feel like we're getting into. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me say some praise because I just want to say That's some praise. That's what I was about to do. Um, Kate Pearson and Cindy Wilson, good singers. Not as nearly as much on this album yeah, as they will be they later. Yeah, they get good. They I weren't agree. good on this album. I agree that they get good. I, and yeah, there's something sure. to look forward to there. Um, so some positive stuff. So I, I did read the Robert Costco remarks, and they they were his typical backhanded self. Thankfully. Of course, yeah. Because he was like, he has a fondness for the pop junk they recycle. Exactly. I like that. 
I yeah. like when he when he gets to just punch them a little bit. Um, two, there's a lot to like about the B-52s, except for their music. <laughs> yeah, fair. So, like, sure. I really, None of this is personal. I enjoy, because they're definitely, like, they're in on the joke. Sure. Is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. They're in on this joke. They're the way they dress. They dress in a way, it's called thrift store chic. Mm-hmm. The way they dress, so they purposely like do their hair up in really funky ways. They buy these right. really cheap, clashy clothes. Like they do all of these things to kind of stick out like a sore thumb. It's all part of the process, sure of of being bad. It's all part of the shtick, right? I'm only annoyed that everybody loves them because of it, right? Like the critics are never in on the joke. So these critics unironically mm-hmm. are are praising the B-52s right. when even the B-52s entire culture is like, we're bad, we know we're bad, we're dressing like we're bad, we're singing like we're bad. Yeah, every everybody likes, let me, everybody enjoys a B-movie once, once in a while. You know what right. I mean? Like a really awfully done movie that has no real critical merit, but it's ridiculous and the director and the actors know that that's what it is and that so they play great. it that way. And you can, and no one would ever dream of putting them on the, you know, the hundred greatest movies list. No, because, of course not. You know, that's not what they're about. Uh, so I, I mean, I'll get yeah. into the bad stuff now. It's the entire album, top yeah. to bottom. It's awful. It's terrible to listen to. <laughs> Rock Lobster, I quote unquote enjoyed because it had a sense of familiarity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Although, the only thing. Let's be real. That song should not be seven minutes long. No. Oh my <laughs> God. No. Not even a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I think there were times during this when they they got close to music. Sure. And other than that, uh, Fred Schneider, I almost wanted to punch in the face by the end of this album. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, the only part that wasn't absolutely terrible to me was Ricky Wilson's guitar playing. Sure. Because it was relatively simple. Right. And therefore hard to mess up in comparison to the rest. Yeah. Um. And now with you going into um, Cosmic Thing, Cosmic of course, thing. Ricky Wilson has Ricky Wilson tragically has passed, passed away and of, uh, I believe, pa- AIDS-related uh, illness. I said he wasn't bad. How could you say that about him? I you said, said he, he was, was the, simple. I said he was the only part that wasn't bad. You know how simple he was? I'm sorry. He's so simple that when he passed away, the drummer of the band just went, I'm the guitarist now. I'm going to do exactly what Ricky That's did. And just point. did that. Yeah. So Keith Strickland comes in, moves from drums to guitar, and is now the guitarist for this band. Right. So Cosmic Thing. Um, it's, in a word, better. Yes. Uh, now, that's not necessarily a good comparison. However, the two hits from this album are music. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Love Shack is on this album, which everybody knows the song Love Shack Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's it's not a great song. I'm not. It's gonna a say song great. that's fun to oh, love. It's a, on, it's a classic song. Great. I don't. Think I don't it's think great. it's great. I think it's classic. But I love. I love it's one of those songs Shack. where, like, I don't think it's a particularly great song or anything like that. But when it comes on at the wedding, like, you gotta yeah. go party and love of it. Of course. You know, like, I, I. It's one of those things that I can acknowledge that I love, even though I don't think it's particularly good. Yeah. So. So I I agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one, which. Nick, I know we discussed when this mm-hmm. came on, we had zero clue, no clue. this was a B-52 yeah. song. Rome. 
If you want to. Yeah, which, I mean, that's everybody's heard that song. Yeah, I had no I clue. almost guarantee, even if you're like, I've never heard that song, if you've ever seen a rom-com from, like, 2000 to 2008, mm-hmm. you've heard this song. Yep. It's in every one of them. It's I'm not going to sing it because I don't want to, but uh, it's it's there. Uh, other than that, a lot of the same stuff. A lot of that really weird speak-sing thing that it's that called. Uh, does. It's called Sprechgesang. Which it's, just means which speak is sing. just German for speak sing, yeah, yeah, uh, and it reminds. So you know what it reminds me of with mm-hmm. Fred Schneider. Uh, so uh, I've done musicals and stuff. I'm in theater, and there was this one uh, show that I did. Alex, you actually did it with me uh, when you were nine years old because uh, you're a baby. All right, and we had this one uh, guy who was doing this one part where he got he had to sing one line. That's it. Sure. All he had to sing, he could not sing. He was the nicest guy. Could not sing at all, no. But uh. close. Um, he was he was the nicest guy, but he could not sing at all. And so the director was like, "Why don't we just try speaking it really rhythmically?" And nice. that's what he did. And you yeah. know what? It worked. And again, super nice guy. But that it feels like that's all they do is exactly. Yeah. It feels like whoever runs this band was like, "Why don't we just try speaking these words?" Sure. Because Fred, you're not singing them. No. Fred, you're really good at speaking. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. if that's his real voice? I, I'm going to go ahead and just believe that it is. <laughs> that's just the way he's always. Hi, um, welcome to McDonald's. What would you like? I'll have the number two with extra sweet and sour. Yeah. That's what I like oh to picture his whole life being like. Um, but okay, so there are some real songs here. Uh, Shake That Cosmic Thing, the opener, was terrible, and that's also the title track, which was terrible. Um, I didn't hate Bushfire. I liked Bushfire. I, I, I didn't hate is a raging it's, compliment yeah, for me on at this. this point, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Even, like, good new wave I struggle with. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. let me be honest. So, like, yeah, we're like get, now we're getting... I think he was talking more like Talking Heads, but that's... I like, was definitely talking about Talking Heads. That was who was in my brain. Um, but I would listen to the Talking Heads over and over and over again Compar- until I oh, die sure. compared to the, any now, of these. Yeah, So, which brings me to a point that I wanted to get out of the way um, because I don't have too much. You're covering a lot of my notes for this album anyway. I'm trying. Uh, the lyric writing, I know you guys ripped David Byrne to pieces on season one. David, David Byrne, Byrne looks Byrne... like Bill Oaks compared to these guys writing lyrics. Yeah, da- Absolute genius compared to this. This might be... Of all the bands that have written all their own lyrics, the worst that we have ever encountered. Yeah. It's certainly not good. <laughs> no, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Because I even listened to Rome, which I argue is by far their best song. Sure, I t- totally hear that. And the lyrics on Rome are just not good. No, they don't write good lyrics Like, literally, ever. the only part is like, Rome, if we want to, all around all right. the world. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah. It's so bad. It's so yeah. bad. You're, yeah. All, All right. right. I'll okay, take over then. Um, so I I thought this album, to, to give it some credits, um, production-wise, sounded a lot better than the first album. Like everything sure. sounded mixed really well, and you hear it right off the bat with Cosmic Thing. Um, the songs still, like a lot of them, aren't good. Some of them are good. I have um, I like Deadbeat Club. I liked uh, Bushfire. I love Love Shack. Great song. Um, but the songs that are like bad are bad. bad. Like Channel Z. Bad, bad. Terrible. Bad song. And I mean, so just real quick, like, you love Love Shack. Don't get uh, me wrong. I understand. Great song. Would you th- consider that the same style of music as the rest of their stuff? 
I certainly wouldn't. Hmm. That's way more like throwback disco than it is the rest of the stuff that the B-52s are putting out. They, they definitely hit something with it. And it, it right. But, yeah. I mean, if they made more songs that sound like Love Shack, I think I would have gotten tired of it. I, I don't disagree. But, but I it's mean, definitely like an older school genre that yeah, they pulled I was gonna from. Say, as it is, these albums are unlistenable to from beginning to end. Like, even if you want to listen, you can, like, take one or two at a time. You yeah. know, like, it, it gets insufferable if you have to sit and listen to the whole thing like we did. Or all three in a row, like I did. Like I, I did can't too. wait to give them all tens as a curveball. Oh, of course. But yeah, I just put Poetic Love Shack is essentially, 100. essentially, it's the peak of the gimmick. It's the peak of their gimmick. Yeah, right? it's absolutely. Where it's the best that you can get with with what they do. Uh, and if no one else has anything else to say, I'm just gonna go right to Funplex. Go um, right to Funplex. And it's been 16 years since their last album. At this point, they had taken a, a fairly extended break from writing and recording. Yeah. Um, however. When you put this album on, stylistically, in terms of what their voices sound like, it's pretty much exactly the same. It Nothing hasn't really has skipped changed. a beat uh, at all. So the lyrics are still absolutely god-awful. Uh, yeah. Particularly on the song um, <laughs> Love in the Year 3000. Uh, oh, I don't man. even know where to get started with that, but just know that the word erotobots is used over and over it and over again. Absolutely is. Um, you know, if 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 they said it once, I might have forgiven it a little but bit. But not over and over. They said it multiple <laughs> times as if they're like, This is a great lyric. Yeah. Let's capitalize on exactly. it. Exactly. Um You know what? I'm gonna do everyone a favor. Sure. I'm gonna read an excerpt from Love in the Year. Oh 3, yeah, 000. do that, would okay. you? Okay. <sighs> okay, so I'll read. I'll read the first. The first line. It would feel real different. I might be a little bird. Come on, on your shoulders, I could give you a kiss. <laughs> Tentative tentacles are grabbing me. We're making space love in zero gravity. Rhyme. Yes. Uh, so now I'm gonna skip to the part that you mentioned. Sure, of course. Which you, you did did say the word erotobots, but you're missing robots, booty bots, erotobots. Right, booty bots, robots. Huh? Booty bots, errata bots. Robots, uh, booty bots, errata bots. Yeah. Robots, booty bots, errata bots. Yeah, so that's what we're dealing with here, folks. Uh, I will also <laughs> comment on the song Eyes Wide Open, which if there was one saving grace of this band, it was that Kate Pearson and Cindy Wilson could actually sing. Yeah. And they just layered on a bunch of vocal effects that made this sound bad unnecessarily. Um, yeah. So why did you do that? And, I mean, there were very few songs on this record that I was able to listen to every second of. But Nick, we're I mean, in the spandex spiral vortex. Yeah, so I just, for, <laughs> for like 80% of these songs, I got like two and a half minutes in, I was like, I cannot keep doing this to myself. I'm going to just see what comes next. It was just, it was very bad. And I will, I'll even say, compared to the first album, these second two albums have had much more attempts at melody. Oh, come and on. Take your helmet off, you, you spacey know, thing. They're They're more melodic. They're more melodic, but that does not make up for how terrible the writing is, and it's just like unlistenable. And that's it's where galactic I stop. love in future time. All right, all right, you're just still reading the lyrics of that song. <laughs> um, this album surprised me. Um, I I expected it to be less enjoyable. I found okay. it more enjoyable than the first, less than the second. Okay, which was surprising because I expected it to be like a train wreck. Sure. Um, I thought there were definitely a couple highlights. I liked Juliet and the Spir- of the Spirits, and I liked Deviant Ingredient. But there were some really bad lowlights. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Love in the Year 3000, one of them. The other one, Keep the Party Going, which I know Pat already did some reading of the lyrics, but I would just like to read these ones. Please. Sure. Please do. Go to church on Sunday, party on Monday, and every other day of the week. We're just a bunch of party geeks. Oh. Keep in mind, this is a man who was well into his 50s at the time. Singing, That's correct. these lyrics. Uh, drag it, slam it, wear me out, elevator rising fast, crank it, spank it, <laughs> wear me out. Let it out, ready to blast. This is horrible. Oh, my God. It's bad. I, yeah. Like, seriously, this man is now 70 years old. Yeah, yep. and he's, pro- he's probably going on. I mean, I don't know if they're touring it all right now, but, like, they're going out, and they're, like, yeah. singing. Like, it's crazy. But hey, I'll no, give no, no, credit. it's not singing. It's Shrekson. Oh, I, I will give him mind. some credit. Uh, he has been uh actually he's a lifelong vegetarian and he's been an animal rights activist if anything you are you are disparaging your own culture no i this man is a vegetarian i'm giving him credit for it shows that all vegetarians sing like this yeah that then i'm gonna do that for the whole gig tonight um but he actively was using the popularity of the song rock lobster to discourage people from eating lobsters or boiling them alive and there was actually some legislation that might be passing in the uk like as of right now while we're recording that would ban the boiling alive of lobsters, and you would have to kill them before you do that because that is animal why, cruelty. Wait, and I'm do, all on, fully on board with that. Why, so good why, why don't you kill them before you boil them? Uh, I don't know. It's just a thing that people do, but that's, so, that's, really, that's not great. I'm gonna, no, it's terrible. No, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know if that's going to have the effect you think it's going to have. Because boiling is a relatively painless way to kill crustaceans because it's such a high shock. Uh, Their that, body immediately goes into shock and they die. That is like a lot of people would say from what I've read, an old wives' tale. That's just something that people have been telling themselves to boil lobsters alive. I've done a lot of reading on other things that indicate I mean, let me the total be, opposite let me of that honest, as well. I've never cooked shellfish like that. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, There's um, actually a really great essay by David Foster Wallace called Consider the Lobster where he kind of lays it out. So I would highly recommend that. Yeah, I'm not going to read that. Okay, that's fine. I just I I will continue not boiling lobsters. You should. That's, you should. I, in in lieu of reading that, I will continue not boiling Good. lobsters. Me too. Excellent. Um, does anyone have anything else to say about these guys? Are we done with them? Let's grade them. Okay, great. Uh, I guess cultural impact will be their best score. Oh, God, people have it has heard of them. Be. People have people have heard the songs. Definitely uh, have heard three of the songs. And you probably heard two of them and knew they were the b 50 And then maybe Rome and you didn't realize it was. Or maybe you did. But we certainly didn't. They uh, but there's three significant the, uh They hits. provided for the soundtrack of Pokemon the Movie 2000. Fascinating. No, they did they not. They did. They actually also were in the Rugrats movie soundtrack. I'm sorry. Where? I, Is I, it the song Rome? Uh, no, I think they uh, did a song for the movie. I don't know. A lot of people were involved in that soundtrack. I don't know why I read so much about it. They uh, also did. Wait, they did the Flintstones live action movie. You're they right. Did the you're theme right. Song? They did. Well, that's you're, yep. that doesn't shock me. Which was that film wasn't as it wasn't the greatest. No, God no. Just don't don't okay. speak that way about I'm John sorry. Goodman. I'm sorry. I'm not what speaking do we want to do? John I mean, Goodman. like they have decent sales. They got three golds. They got a platinum, and then a quadruple platinum for I mean, cosmic thing. So maybe like a like a four. I would be very pleased to give them a four. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I can give them a four. Actually, no, I want to give them a three point nine 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 because they missed Cosmic Thing releasing on my birthday by one day. Yeah, all right, not so a let's, problem. Let's I'm just gonna, it it's going to round up though. Yeah, it does. Oh yeah, automatically. From but the we algorithm. know, we right. know. Okay, breadth of work. Now I've mentioned their sales already. There are seven total albums, so a little bit above five to start. Give them another little bit of a boost for those platinums and golds, and then take all of it away for the quality. 
Oh, easily. Everything. Easily. Take it all away. Give them a zero. <laughs> I'm willing to give them a full point for Rome because that's a really good song. Sure. I mean, I, in, in all honesty, with, with the seventh album and with the sales, they have to, they can't go much lower than the fours. No, I, I Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was going to like kind of place them at average, but I no, mean, can't do that. I mean, it, it was all just so, it was it was so such bad. a train wreck. Yeah, but they sold well. I know, They're I know. Like, that's okay, why they I'm willing. Too low. They can't. Can go we go low. maybe like four point five? I was about I to say really I'm willing to give them a stay 4. in the force. Okay, I wouldn't go any lower than that. That's already stretching it, I think, because of how much we hated them. Uh, instrumental talent. We could say this is very bad. Um, yeah, they literally. So at best, it's bad. instrumentally, they're completely average. Yeah. Nothing yep. sticks out. Uh, I I mean I listened for specifically instruments after getting through yeah. the vocals. No, uh, nothing to listen for there. The, the the female vocalists are okay. Yeah, and they get they sound nice relatively good by the end. Right, not of on the, the second the album. The first album they were pretty bad on. First album they're pretty bad, and the last album they use effects, and it's sure. not great. Yep. I agree. Um, but on that one album, they were okay. I mean, we're talking about a below average score no matter what. Like oh, We can talk it up and give them the highlights. Average. It's like a three. Yeah, it has to be. And Fred Schneider. I mean, he alone is a great is like a, great, great, Great at that. Yeah, he's great at it. So let's give okay. him a high. Let's give him a 10. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm going much higher than three. Uh, I'd be willing to just give them a three. Okay. Come on. All Come right. on. 3.2. No, I can't do it. 3.1. Can't do it. I mean, I'll give you the 3.1, but the you're 3. not getting 1. anything out give of us in the next 1. two categories. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they put like... together some interesting sounding things for songwriting. Yeah, so let me be honest, okay? Songwriting is not going to be as absolutely terrible as it could be. Agreed. Because they experimented. Yep, they varied their sound. They did. They and had some of them three successful hits, all of which sound incredibly different. I agree. So I think they're going to get some points here. It's definitely still below average. It's definitely the best they're going to do, though. Yeah, I'd be willing to put them like solidly in the higher fours. I was thinking four eight, honestly, and that's that's fine with me. And now I want to literally murder them. Yeah, their score I, here they, for they can't count. get. I mean, I'd be we're willing, less than one. I'd be willing to give them two point. 0.2 higher than we gave Selena Gomez okay. at a 0. 0.5. A 0. 0.5. I can live with that. I could not live with literally anything higher than that. No, 0. 0.5 is is the highest I can possibly okay. go. Uh, X Factor? So like The, the only, Rock Lobster being an activist song? That's, uh, so honestly, the only things that I could give them is uh, apparently as I was reading about it, uh, the death of Ricky Wilson was actually a pretty big deal. Oh yeah, and he died of AIDS well, he, exactly, in the AIDS movement. Exactly. I'd be willing to give them like a small like point something X factor for that. Okay, I'd be fine especially with the point for one. like I I don't know. It's ra- I feel like it's rare to have your drummer step in and be your new lead guitarist. Yeah, that seems odd to sure. me. Sure, I'll give them. I'll give you the point one. Yeah, give him a point one for it. All right, and let's move right along to Alan Stone. All right, so Alan Stone. Uh, he's an American soul and R&B singer and musician. Yes. And he is from Chewula, Washington. That's correct. Just wanted to say it. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, He's been active uh, since 2010. Mm-hmm. So a long time. Yeah, a full, like, ten and a half years. Yeah, since we graduated high school, Nick. Yeah, that's right. Just just wanted to twist that knife real yeah, quick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so we went over three albums from Alan Stone. Uh, we went over Last to Speak from 2009, 
Mm-hmm. And then we went Even over. Even though he's, hasn't been act- he's only active in 2010. Yeah. But, oh, no, I, I guess it came out in 2010. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was recorded, recorded in, 2009. in 2009 and self-released. So Correct. It might have just been popularized in 2010. Yeah. Could have been. But, uh, then we listened to 2011's Alan Stone, an eponymous album. And this was the first one that was, it was self-released and then, and then released by ATO, by ATO Records. Right. Uh, and then we listened to Building Balance from 2019. Yes. And uh, I think we're going to let Alex go first. I think that's a great idea. I enjoyed this album. Um, I It really reminded me of a lot that I like about like early Maroon 5. Oh, yeah. With yeah. Like, instrumentation very funky. and very funky. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, great vocals. The mm-hmm. songs are really groovy. Um, I, I don't know why... Um, Alan Stone isn't more famous because I feel I, like he I t- hits all the right like I know man like all the checks like mm-hmm. but for some reason it's just like yeah no one really knows yeah. who he is you're um, absolutely the right. only song because I'm gonna be a little negative that maybe I was just like eh at was a vibe with you okay but like everything else was great that's all I really have sure to say. fair enough okay I'll sure. let you- Pat, I will uh, let you go as well. Uh, okay, so I kind of knew what to expect here. Uh, I'd heard some Alan Stone before. Uh, You're not welcome. Too much, yeah, I know, right? Just so um, everyone, knows, Alan Stone is in like my top twenty artists of all time. I've yeah. seen him in concert like five times. I'm a huge Alan Stone nerd. So, we, so, so that's get why. Ready. So that's why everybody is here is aware of him before this because so, I have sung his praises constantly for the last 10 years. So we can note that we've done a couple of Nick's favorite artists. We've done a couple of Pat's favorite artists, but we won't, we haven't done any of my favorite artists. Just Name I, your just top five artists right now. Go. Rush, Ben Folds, Driftless Pony Club, Victor Wooten. Well, Victor Wooten, I don't know if we would do him on the, the podcast because it's jazz is something we don't usually cover. Childish Gambino. Okay. Okay. Those are things. That uh, so let me cover. let me be honest. You don't want Childish Gambino on here because Nick will disparage the Gambino. Boo. I already can tell. Boo. Um, no, maybe not Awaken My Love. Who knows? He might like. I Red would Bone. have to. He have might to. like Redbone. But anyways, anyway, anyways, <laughs> Pat, ahead, talk Pat. about last to speak. Uh, okay, I really enjoy this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, I mean, I'm a sucker for vocals. Alan Stone has such a clean tenor sound. Yeah. It's it's really impressive and how clean his vocal for is. a tenor, remarkably great falsetto singer. Absolutely, yeah. Which is incredible. Like as a tenor really myself, to do. it's incredibly difficult. Like your your voice has to be extremely warmed up to be able to sing falsetto as a tenor because it's in a range that you can sing without it typically. Right. Uh, that's always my biggest struggle is like if my voice isn't a thousand percent warmed up, I can't falsetto because there are notes I can just full voice. Yeah. Uh, whereas like Nick, you have a much easier time singing falsetto right. because your natural timbre of your it's voice is so much exactly it's so much lower. Uh, we have actually gotten to you to do a lot of falsetto. You're the other bass in the group, Alex. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but seriously, I really enjoyed this stuff all the way through. The vocals are incredible. The writing is also super strong. Uh, which you wouldn't necessarily expect. So I think Shelter is a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, right off the bat, you're starting to get some of the depth of his writing. Totally. Uh, I mean, so this album, I did look it up. This album actually did come out in late 2009. Yeah. And that's when lyrics and stuff started getting posted and things started picking up steam. Sure. And so I don't know. I'm not quite sure why 2010 is considered his beginning yeah, of I active don't know. period. I don't know. Uh, it's all kind of a whatever. I mean, it's a self-released album. Who yeah. knows? Uh, but... A lot of really strong stuff, and he was like 22. 
Yeah. He's 34 yeah. And now. And what's a shame, too, is that they he never plays a single song off of Last to Speak Live ever. Ever, yeah. And I think I it think might it's... have something to do with his record label wanting him to only play songs from the albums where if people are going to go back and buy something, they're going right. to make money off it. So he has completely stopped playing uh, Last to Speak since like 2013. I don't know if I've ever seen him play any of those tracks, and I've seen him quite a bit in the last decade. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it just boils down to like, Maybe it's a combination of the record company and also maybe he doesn't feel as strongly about it. It could be. Could I mean, be. I know that, like, when we first started writing music together, Nick, I went back to, like, some older stuff that I'd had and tried to pull those lyrics. Yeah. And I just threw them away. They sure. were terrible. Yeah. So, like, maybe that's what he feels like. Could I don't be, feel that way. Even really good. I exactly. Think. I don't feel that way. I think they're really strong. Uh, also, like... The, the building of these songs, the instruments that he mm-hmm. uses, it, it doesn't feel like the same thing over and over again. Definitely not. But he has that, like, the only thing I could say, I mean, not to quote his own song, but he's got that vibe. Yeah. So, like, you're going to know it's an Alan Stone song from the way the song sounds. Yeah, and this album is very different from all of his other albums just because of how acoustic it is. I mean, like, this yeah. song is basically, I mean, it's Alan and his acoustic guitar with the rest of the band, but you never get that fully acoustic funk sound from him again. Yeah. And it's an interesting juxtaposition of funk music and acoustic music throughout this record. Yeah. Uh, and my highlight would it be the song Breathe Anymore. It's a great one. Yeah, I have a couple uh, things to highlight because I think you guys have talked a lot about or we've kind of gotten together on a lot of the things that I have written down. Uh, some more really strong lyrical moments for me are Poison okay. uh, and the title track Last to Speak. And I think both of those come from a very similar place, which is Alan, who uh, was basically born and raised and learned music in the church uh, because his father is a minister, I believe. I'm not Definitely sure of all the different, like, that. I'm not sure of all the different, you know, specific titles, but I, was I believe his say, father is a minister. Absolutely. Uh, his father soul. was a preacher. I'm not sure what the difference is. He's the son of a preacher, man? Yeah, he is. Um, but then, he, you know, he kind of went off to Bible college and learned more about religion and then kind of soured on it. And you can hear that really clearly in his lyrics here, like kind of yeah. discovering like, you know, all the things I've been raised on, I don't know if I agree with them anymore. And I'm concerned about corruption. And I, it's seriously, it's so interesting to me because like I was saying, you can definitely hear like the gospelish, Oh, totally. Religious sounds. Definitely. So then to have them go toe to toe with these, almost atheistic lyrics in a way yeah or at least if not that definitely incredibly critical of not just like the church's teachings but specifically the way people with power in the church carry themselves in the way they act which is really something that he goes after in both poison and last to speak uh and then the other one that's a huge favorite of mine is is reality which is the one uh keyboard driven song which is is really just incredibly a beautiful breakup song where it's just kind of like you know this isn't going to happen, but I hope that you have the most wonderful life that you could possibly have after me, which is a, a cool sentiment for the song. Which, by yeah. the way, like, Alan Stone being good at, like, vocals, guitar, and keyboard, not fair. <laughs> like, I really agree. Not fair. Yeah, well, I don't know anyone who has those three skills. So I'm going to move right along to Alan Stone, the album, uh, which is along with the next one, which we didn't cover, which is Radius. They're basically two of my top, like, if I had 100 albums on a desert island, both Alan Stone and Radius would undoubtedly be coming with me. They're they're both nearly perfect as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and now 
he's not just the acoustic Alan Stone anymore. He's got the full funk lineup. You're going to get the the horn yeah. sections in here. You're going to get some awesome organ playing. I think that the the organist that played with him on this record was also someone who was playing with Miles Davis, actually. Interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you can hear uh, that talent come through quite a bit here. Uh, with the release of this album, USA Today also called him a pitch-perfect powerhouse, which I think is, again, pretty much right on. He has got to have one of the most soulful voices of any white artist, like, ever. Uh, like, of all the yeah. people that we cover. Like, I when you think that. of his voice, who does it remind you most of? Bill Withers, Stevie uh, Wonder, Marvin Gaye. Like, that's the style of singing I might that you hear. I actually, to... I actually very much said, I said in my notes, I was like, it reminds me a lot. Especially the last song, Figure It Out. Like, that, yeah. that sounded like it could be a Marvin Gaye song. Totally. I mean, that's, his, that's where his influences are, and that's his style, and he's got the chops to back it up. My argument is there's two different kinds of soulful voices, um, mm. and I would... I would Turn your attention to the next artist, also. For sure. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Extremely soulful voices totally, for white men. It, yeah, I think we honestly we hit on three of the best this week that there yeah, are. Yeah. So, well, maybe four. You never know. Yeah, it could be Fred Schneider. Um, <laughs> that's that's not. What I know. I, I know. I know. Oh my god, that is not what um, I meant. But uh, a few other things. Uh, also, shortly after the release of this album, VH1 named him the "You Ought to Know" artist of 2013. Uh, and you ought to. You really should. Yeah. Uh, it's a great mix of what I would call like fun songs, dance songs for the R&B uh, style, as well as like love songs and broken hearts, and then also social commentary. Like he hits on all of the different uh, ideas, yeah. and he arranges, writes, and sings them all pretty much flawlessly. Um, the Wind is an absolute favorite of mine, as well as Your Eyes and Unaware unaware being like one of his more social commentary-esque songs and also the song he closes every single concert with ever it's like the the fan favorite everybody's obsessed with it um but yeah i mean it's it's just a great album it's everything that you could have possibly seen last to speak becoming if he had been given all the tools at his disposal and now that he has them uh you know another perfect r&b soul album well alex i don't know how you're gonna possibly top that that sounded like... Yeah, I have very little to add. Um, I really enjoyed this album. It was like kind of like similar to the first, but just like all, like better. Like you could tell you had more resources, had more, um, you know, like more people on it. Arrangements were really tight. Songs were really funky. Um, I really liked Satisfaction. That's oh, a great song. Went between like that kind of really super mm -hmm. funky and super yeah. rocky stuff. It was it was like a powerhouse. Um and like I said earlier, figure it out. Like sounds like a Marvin Gaye song, and mm -hmm. and he sounds amazing on it. Um, Glad he re-recorded it. If you want to know something funny, the the studio or the label that uh, he signed with, like had has had such artists as like uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh, interesting. Uh, Fish and Government Mule. Nice. Oh, yeah. I love those. I didn't give you any warning for that. My you gave me no warning. Now okay. I look like a fool. You do look no like a fool. No more so than usual. But you'll everybody will respect your intelligence once you begin speaking about this album again. I hate it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, obviously, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think that it's so easy to fall into the trap of an artist that you may not have heard of who releases something that surprises you, and so therefore you get a little high on them. Uh, but I don't think that's what happens here. Uh, he really has the strength to back it up. He's a very talented writer. I would almost argue a more talented writer than a musician. 
Sure. Which is, I mean, no knock on his musicianship because he's a really phenomenal musician. Yeah. I just think that I hear a lot of strength in these vocal lines and these lyrical lines to back up the the talent that he's got. Yeah. And I'm really glad that he did end up working with a studio on this one so we did get to hear a little bit more, just a little bit yeah. more oomph and you know this this one was more marketed and things like that like I definitely already can tell that Alan Stone's probably going to be your wait and see award winner for the end of season three. Yeah, I I'd mean, be shocked if he wasn't. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what the rest sure. of the season holds. Yeah. But uh, as of right now, strong contender for that. Award. I would agree. Uh, but uh, your eyes and unaware are, are like a one two punch of really, really phenomenal songwriting. Uh, and then the other one, honestly, just going right back to the be- beginning of this album mm-hmm. with sleep. Yeah. It's a shorter Very song. Cool it's song. only two minutes and twenty six mm-hmm. seconds, but a thoroughly enjoyable one that really gets you into like the bones of this album. Yeah. So I, I have nothing negative to say about Alan Stone. Great. Why don't you move right into Building Balance then? Sure. Okay. So Building Balance is, I would argue, a little different. I would agree. Yeah. It's a little bit lyrically different. Um, you can tell that he's a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, I mean, not old by any means, but but a little bit older, a little bit more mature in his writing. Sure. Uh, it's the difference between literally, <laughs> it's the difference between like twenty five and like thirty. Yeah, right. You know, or totally. I mean, he might be like thirty one or thirty two, but he'd be young. Still. Yeah. But just a little bit more of a jaded view of the world mm. at times. Um, a really, really beautiful breakup song in sweaters. Yeah, I know. Uh, just really, really phenomenal. Uh, it really calls to light the little things in the end of a relationship that you that you don't necessarily think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the song is is on the surface about returning sweaters right. to to an ex, uh, except for the one with the coffee stick. Except for he the gets one, to keep that exactly. One. Um, and then the one right after that that I want to talk about is "Lay It Down," mm-hmm. uh, which is phenomenal because. In the world we live in today, we are all addicted to our technology. Yep. You are listening to us currently through your technology. Mm-hmm. We are recording it on our technology. Um, so, like, this is basically a plea to, like, at least make me as important as your phone. Yeah, and I like, totally that's get the, that. That's cause... the lyric. At least make me as important. Right. I'm not asking you to, to, to make me first. Put me on the same level, then. You lay it down yeah. for five minutes, and, and then give me five minutes. Right. I think it's it's very much a, when you're there and there's the concert experience. There, there's a solid divide in the audience of people who are like really there and in the moment and with the artist and enjoying it so much. And I can say from both sides of that, what an incredible feeling that is. Yeah. And then there's the other half of the audience that's like. I need to record this entire concert on my phone right now to show people that I've been to this concert and then completely miss the whole concert experience. Yeah. And who goes back and rewatches those Nobody. iPhone videos Nobody of the show you're at? No one. No, I mean, listen, I, like, I've been to live performances and stuff, and I've seen people do that. Yeah. And I've ha- we've actually had it done ourselves. Sure. You know, we've had people record us, which is we, totally fine. Absolutely. Nothing against it. Not at all. For me personally, though, it's like I would rather listen to the studio song and remember being there and seeing them do it I live, totally agree. Then watch the recording of the time I was there. Yeah, I totally agree. That's all. It's. Th- I mean, I guess it's just a personal preference. Some people may really enjoy that. Some people may go back and look at it. Yeah. And, like, as somebody who is trying to form, like, some B-roll yeah. uh, for our band and, like, sure. videos of our totally. band, I get the want to do Definitely. it. Definitely, and we <laughs> but... need people to do it for us to, to help. But exactly. I, I disagree with you guys on that. 
Yeah, that's fine. I because well, so the only the only reason why you're also because, twenty years yeah, younger than exactly us. is because when I went to go see Rush for their R forty tour, mm-hmm. I took one video on my old iPod. Sure, and I lost okay. it. And I just wish I could just okay. like remember. I think like, that's different see though. It because yeah, no, yeah, definitely. But like, so I think there's certain instances where, but like, yeah, if it's like you're going to see Weezer, who's yeah. definitely going to go on tour, like you know, yeah. at least. But I also would, I also like, would argue that we're arguing two different things there. You said you took one video, and you wish you had. No, that I one wish video. I had and you, more. Oh, you okay. wish you I had wish the whole I, concert? Not the whole whole concert, but I wish I had more videos because okay. they did some very fun stuff. Man. Then you know what? Here's 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 a counter proposal. Okay, everybody who wants to go to a concert and record it, get a GoPro. Great, idea. put it on strap your head, it, strap it to yeah. your head, watch yeah. the concert. You're there live, and then you have the video to go home to. Great point. I think you've just we, we have a business concert. Yeah, have a business yeah. going. Selling GoPros. I'm yeah. selling <laughs> head straps. Uh, do you want to say anything else about building balance, Pat? Uh, I I mean I don't want to get too deep. I did talk about. Uh, what two tracks? Yeah. Uh, the other one that I will talk about real quick, just because it's another really interesting one, is the song "Brown Eyed Lover." Yeah, has a really sick groove in it. Oh, it's great. Do you know the the big thing about that that you'll probably give Alan Stone like a hundred points for for cultural impact now? Oh no. You know he Alan Stone went on American Idol in 2018 as like a featured guest artist and sang duets with a bunch of the people on I the show with "Brown Eyed Lover." Yeah, I do know that. Mm-hmm. That, that it's technically like the reboot of American Idol, so like oh god, get out! Of it's here. not quite the same. Oh, but, who cares about American Idol? Uh, people who've won it, and yeah, okay, so I guess like maybe the people. judges and Ryan Seacrest, right? Do you anyway, feel like, do you feel like the second place artists for American Idol get more famous than the first place? Uh so the reason I think so for most of it is because the contract that you sign you don't have to give over creative control it's incredibly restrictive yeah so the american idol winners have an incredibly restrictive contract it takes a while to get out of it that's right which is why you see a lot of them not have that sustained success right so so the so now the plan is go on american idol coming like second or third just get to the finals and then just tank yeah i mean i'll i'll tell you it's like so i've auditioned for all those shows Right, and when you peel back the curtain on that process, it really opens your eyes to those shows. Sure. Oh, I have no like doubt. no no shade to anybody who does enjoy watching them, but after auditioning for them, I really can't watch them. Sure. Anymore. Wow. I I totally get you. Uh, uh, Alex, do you want to say anything about yeah, Building uh, Balance before I wrap up? I'll say a couple of things because I know you're going to go deep into yeah. it. Um, the album starts to kind of diverge a little bit from. The soul and funky kind of stuff. It True. Goes, yeah. I think it goes a little bit more t- towards hip hop. Yeah, it definitely gets there. Gets I a agree. little bit more electric, but it's certainly still enjoyable. Yeah. Um, one of the songs, Sunny Days. I don't know if Pat mm-hmm. said anything about it. He said, no, I had not mentioned Sunny Days. Um, reminded me a lot of actually um, one of the songs off the new Gambino album, new Childish Gambino album. Um, either Time or Twelve Thirty Eight. I don't remember which, but I don't know any of his songs. So yeah. But it's it's great. It's a good album. Um, I don't think I would revisit it as much as I would the second album because the second album was like phenomenal. Yeah, the second album is definitely the better one. But it was certainly good. I agree. Uh, okay, so yeah, I, you guys have kind of already pointed out the different ways he's kind of evolved his style and grown it. Uh, but he do, he does definitely keep some some of himself in the soul or the R and B genre throughout here as well. 
Uh, and there are really just a, a few things that I want to say. One, uh, the song Warriors, which was the second single from this album, because I remember as all the singles were coming out, it's like, oh, new Alan Stone, new Alan Stone. Uh, he actually played that at the opening uh, ceremony of the Special Olympics in 2018. Um, so when that song came out, he did that as, as that performance, which is pretty cool. Um, and then the writing, which, as Pat has noted, is more mature, shows a guy who's you know in his late 20s, early 30s now. Two of these yeah. songs in particular uh, really hit me, uh, probably because when Alan was writing them and me right now uh, are in very similar places in our lives. The first one being Give You Blue, which is a love song he wrote for his now wife right after proposing to her. One. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the second one is Consider Me, which he wrote the night before his wedding as his vows. So Consider Me was the song that he wrote and performed at his wedding for his now wife, um, basically as his wedding vows. And both are incredibly beautiful uh, love songs, really some of his best work. But like, I don't know. I, that's, that's, I don't like that as much. What? I would think like, okay, cool. Alan Stone, beautiful writer, wrote me, his wife, this beautiful, amazing song. Mm-hmm. That's his vows to me. Right. So beautiful. And then he released it on an album. I would have wanted to keep that just for me. Oh, I get it. Like I would have like like if he had never released that or but only those... played it live and right. was like, "This is my these are my vows to my wife." I just don't love that he released it live. Oh, but it's so or good. released the uh, on an album. Oh, but it's such it a is great. A, song. It's a beautiful song. I just for me yeah. like the romantic part of it. Like that's, yeah. that's so I would have changed that. Is Nick okay. gonna release his vows on the uh, on the on the no? Like, Nick's Toto never allowed to release. Two. First off, album the three, the chance of Nick writing his vows in song form is very slim. Hmm. I can't imagine him doing that. Nick doesn't strike me as that kind of person. He may write it like a poem, or he he would more interesting. I would feel like he would more write it in like a, a different um, type of like style. a madrigal. Yeah, a full yeah, on choral gonna, madrigal. Exactly. song. Exactly. That's I'm going to hire a bunch of you guys um, to, to come do that with me. But anyway, I think you could get the madrigals back together for yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. All right, let's let's do grades. Okay, so let's you know cultural impact. He's not. This is really not. This low. is his worst category. Although yeah. I will just say. He was on American Idol. He was featured to do that, so that is a thing. Yeah. He was also, you know, he's done multiple appearances on Conan. He's been on Ellen. He was featured on Macklemore and Ryan Lewis's album The Heist, which was a platinum selling record. With with all that in mind, if I didn't know you, I wouldn't know. Fair who enough. Was. And also his song Perfect World was used in the trailer for Netflix's Dear White People. So I think I think And my, that's probably like the my, third I've heard like in in the world. About four or five different Alan Stone songs, which no one else recognizes. But when you're at the mall or you're yeah. at the grocery store or you're at a hotel and there's just kind of music going on all the time. I've heard Alan Stone in all those places, all different songs from different albums. Yeah, I mean, all um, of that being said, I'm just trying to argue him close to a one. Like, I'd that's be willing <laughs> to give him a one. Love it. I think there's enough little things that could combine for a point. Yeah. Also, seriously, check out the music video of him performing Warriors at the... Uh, Special Olympics opening ceremony. It's really cool. It's cool. a really cool video. Okay. Breath of Work. Uh, this one, unfortunately, again, is not that Correct. great because yeah. he's got four albums technically, mm-hmm. one of which was a self-released, non-labeled right. album that we did cover here. So, you know, so he's going to get a quality four, bump. And then he's going to get a, a pretty significant quality bump. Yeah, but no sales bump. No. Uh, no. Has not sold super well either. I would say the precedent on this one is somewhere around a 4.8. And I'd be willing to put him right there as well, 4.8. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, instrumental talent is better. 
because slightly Alan Stone better than a four eight yeah. is a phenomenal singer. Yeah, phenomenal singer, also a decent instrumentalist yeah, as well. Yeah, and and very all the music at worst I think is average here. I think most of his the music that's behind him it sits between a five and a six in like yeah, the talent sure. behind it and what's played. And then Alan as a vocalist is a few points above that as well. Yeah, I would put him at least in the eights as a vocalist. Okay, but where would you put the whole the kit e- now everything as a whole? I'd put in the sixes. Okay. Um, I'd be willing to give him like a, like a six six or a six seven. I think would be a good okay. spot. Mainly, again, just kind of lack of of a body of work yeah. to to Agreed. back it up. Yeah. Not that I don't. I have zero doubt that when he releases again, it's going to be that same level. I, yeah, I'm very but excited. for Honestly, that. you never know. I know. It's just I hate that he waits. I mean, like I appreciate the amount of time that it takes. Yeah. But you know, he's been going four years between each album, and I'm just always itching for a new Alan Stone album. I get it. Uh, okay, great. So six, seven songwriting talent. I also think he is, you know, shown himself uh, to be someone who has a lot of growth between his sure. four albums. Uh, he is mostly within the R and B soul style, but he kind of hits every avenue while he's there. Much like how we were talking about um, bands that like sit in one style and never do anything with it. Or last uh, last week, who was it? Uh, Wild, Wild Cherry. Cherry. A funk band, but they never really left their lane ever, and they, every song sounded the same. Alan Stone is the polar opposite of that, where sure. he stays mostly in that generally thing that you can categorize as R&B, but every album is significantly different, uh, and there's a wide range of what you can expect from his songs. So that all being said, there is the caveat of there only being four albums, so I'm in right. like the low fives. Cool. Uh, I. You know what? I honestly thought I was going to have to pull you down a little bit, but I am. No, I'll be higher than I that on poetic. I am impressed with your ability to to on this I've, particular. We've made instance. it clear. Look, we've made it clear that Al, we all thought Alan Stone's albums are great. That yeah, he's an incredibly talented artist. Everybody knows what we think. Yeah, I I'd be totally cool with like a five eight five nine. Okay. Cool. Uh, you got. The, I'm always going to go with the higher suggestion, though. So you got the five nine. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, poetic talent, I think, is really strong throughout these albums. Yes, I think he writes with some poignancy, yeah. some emotion. I mean, even um, when he, he does, varies the subject matter, right? Exactly. Even when his subject matter is more simply done, mm-hmm. he writes it really well. Yeah, and I, I think that was like the big complaint we had this season with Dashboard Confessional. Sure, is Dashboard Confessional was writing poignant lyrics and strong lyrics, but only, only about. about Breakups yeah, and only relationships. About that's relationships it. And breakups. Alan's all over the place. He mixes it up a little bit, and I'd yeah. be willing to give him the points to match that. Yeah, I agree too. Uh, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, I probably wouldn't go higher than like in the sixes. Yeah, I think for for four. I think with yeah. more albums, we'd be continuing to go higher. Like exactly, with every new release, he'll get more points. I think there, like but... a six five would okay. be a good spot for him here. I have no problem with that. And now, does he get X Factor for being the last concert that I saw before COVID? Unfortunately, (laughs) I don't think he does. Okay, then let's move right along to The Righteous Brothers. When I close your eyes anymore, when I kill your name. Well, yep, you got it. (laughs) The Righteous Brothers, uh, an American musical duo originally formed by Bill Medley and Bobby Hatfield, uh, and they have been active on and off. So they're from Orange County, California. And they went from 1962 to 1971, then 74 to 76, then 81, all the way up until the unfortunate passing of Bill Medley in uh, 2003. So when when you say the unfortunate passing did of I Bill meant, Medley, who's still alive, I meant the other one. You meant Bobby Hatfield. Okay. That's my bad. 
Bill Medley still, <laughs> still, still alive. We're going to read the, new, like, the news tomorrow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bill Medley, unfortunately, oh, passed away. In 2003? No. Um, <laughs> I meant Bobby Hatfield, but I was, I'm, yeah. I'm trying very to read two con- things Very once. confused news stations have got their deaths wrong for the last 17 years. Look, I'm trying to read two things at once. Sorry. Darn it. Carry on. Uh, and then 2016 to the present uh, has been, again, with Medley and then Bucky Hurd right. replacing Bobby Hatfield. And we did three albums, technically. Uh, a, yeah. a little bit of a struggle on these ones. Yeah. Um, we've had a little bit of a struggle for multiple artists this season. Yeah, I wonder what it is. Yeah. And it's not like they're unpopular, unheard no, of No, the Righteous... I mean, the Righteous Brothers just fall into that it's the early 60s, sometimes music just stops existing. Yeah, it's That's bizarre. That's just what happens. I, for anyone who listens on Apple Music, none of the three albums that we listen to are on Apple Music. Uh, I struggled to get... Every, I mean, like I had to look up the first album song by song and just find versions. The first Some of them album were live being recordings. right now. Yeah, uh, so it was it was a struggle to get a lot of this music, unfortunately. Yeah, so we listened to right now from 1963. Uh, then we listened to Soul and Inspiration from 1966, and then we listened to The Righteous Brothers from 2016. Right now, Nick, I. Because this was such a like a compressed time of mm-hmm. listening, I did end up finding an album called The Righteous Brothers, The Moon Glow Years. That had which most had of the stuff from right almost now. Almost everything yeah. from right mm-hmm. now on it. So that's what I listened to, yeah. all, all the tracks that were on right now. Uh, because right now, Some Blue-Eyed Soul and This Is New were all released by Moon Glow Records. Right. Uh, and then shout out to Philly's Records. Hold on. Is it just a? Do they just lose a bunch? Is that all? Is it with Phillies records? Do they just lose a bunch of baseball games? I you could definitely see that. I <laughs> well, could, they've I been defunct since 1969. Yeah, fair enough. So that's, it was uh, Phil Spector. Yeah, and, oh, but it's yeah, in Philadelphia. Nice. It was. It's not anymore because 69 was a long right. time ago. That's R. a R. great point. Um. So who hasn't gone first? I believe that would be Alex. Could be. Has yeah. not gone first yet. That sounds um, fine. <laughs> I I know I can sense what's about to happen. Um, I'm not a big fan of them. Um, I think they sound like um, a lot of other soul that's at the time. I I With, okay, but like less good. I would rather listen to like Ooh. the other soul at the time. I mean, they're Man. good. They're certainly good, but you know, I I wow, that's like just this. like your whole assessment of them is. Uh, I have some very strong good. opinions. Oh, I see. You're trying very to... interesting. Okay, I. I don't agree with you. I don't either. Well, that's a shame. Hey, well, you want to you want to uh, press that button? Uh, the opening track off of right now. The opening track off of right now was done by a very good friend of mine, um, Hagrid Nelson. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. Good old Harvey Johnson. Good times. Glad to have him. Yeah, good guy. Harry Nielsen. Let me. Yeah. Let, it's Harry Nielsen. It's always Harry Nielsen. Of course. Um, yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, you've done beautifully. I am not a big fan. Okay. Pat, do you want to go next or do you want me to go? Um, I'll let you go. Okay. I like this significantly more than Alex. Uh, and I think that something that separates them from you know other artists at the time, yeah, I understand that there's a lot of other soul going on. I understand that. I understand some of the issues that you'd have with white artists being pushed in the genre, and I think that makes perfect sense. Although I don't think it's the fault of Bill Medley and Bobby Hatfield that they no, happen no, to like it's, it's get definitely success like off of that. The labels and yeah, the time, for sure, for sure. It just and yeah, also, just, I mean, no one is denying the, the effect that racism has had on music. Realistically, 
their voices fit that genre so well. Exactly. And that's what it is. It's, you know, it's Bobby Hatfield's countertenor that, like, no one, I mean, it's such a unique sound. And the way it that is. it perfectly blends with Bill Medley's more baritone, bassy voice, um, that's what makes them special. It's the combination of the types of voices that they have. Um, and I really actually thought that this album was kind of more of a juncture. It wasn't just soul or rhythm and blues. It was kind of where that genre met and like kind of caught um, the tail end of like the maybe more croonery big band era style uh, of backing. Yeah, And I, mean, I think it's... that was kind of a cool little spot where they fell right between the crooner era and the soul era. And you get that a lot in their backing music, which For I like. For me, I just enti- – like, if I had to personify Blue-Eyed Soul, mm-hmm. what Blue-Eyed Soul started as, this is where I would go. And it's where the... has it ended? Alan Stone. Alan Stone. No one else. No one else. It ends with Stone. Um, yes. But this this is where I would start. It, it would immediately be all the way back to the beginning of the Righteous Brothers career, um, which, you know, Alex despises the very breath they breathe and the air they stand on. Uh, but I, I can't agree with that. I think you have two really locked-in harmonic Definitely. singers. And I think you only get this type of strength in the vocal category when both singers are very competent by themselves. Sure. We've had this before. I mean, even just hearkening back to the B-52s, we did mention that their harmony sounded okay, but none of them were great singers on their own merit. Sure. I think both of these singers are very strong in their own way. I think the fact that they can each pull lead on a song yeah. is is a strength uh, that you don't often get to see. And when you do get to see it, it's a really good thing. Now, they did the very typical 60s thing where these are covers uh, – 95% of these are, are covers, I would say. Yeah, oh, pretty much. I think there was maybe like one or two songs per album that they wrote. Yeah, so uh, that's, I mean, that's it. But they're all decent. I mean, they're all yeah. decent covers of songs. I agree. I think that, you know, the Righteous Brothers aren't meant to be flashy. They're not meant to be up in your face. They're meant to just be super consistent. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I And that is kind of like my only critique of this album too which mm-hmm. is for instance their version of georgia on my mind while very nice and enjoyable and in no way bad is like pretty much parroting the ray charles whereas yeah, like when we listened a couple of weeks ago to steve wonder or stevie wonder uh steve winwood doing steve it winwood, for yeah. uh spencer davis group totally unique take on the song that was still beautiful you yeah. know like that's a much better and it wasn't that different in terms of the time when they did those songs you know I, yeah, I completely agree. I just think that um, the Righteous Brothers are a product of the time they were in. I agree. And that because of that, there's just a little bit less risk-taking mm-hmm. uh, because the 60s were both a time of extreme risk-taking, espe- especially in rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, I know, Alex, you mentioned that all rock and roll kind of sounds the same from that time period. Yeah. But the reason that is is because all everybody was doing something that wasn't done necessarily in the 50s. Right. It was a new, fresh thing, and so everybody wanted to do it. Yeah, and, also and then everybody I would say by sound. 65, things started to change significantly. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Uh, but I I just think that this was a strong showing vocally for a duo that is known for their vocals. Yeah, and I will say, and I'll give you fair warning to hit the button, uh, after this album, 
they were, you know, given enough cred to be the opening act for a band on their first U.S. tour called The Beatles. All the way back to season one and then also season two, episode 25. Exactly. Shout out. Indeed. Um, uh, do you want to get into Solon Inspiration? Yeah, I'll get into Solon Inspiration. So I was very surprised. So this was a last minute change. Um, we had done, I believe we just did You Lost That Love and Feeling. That ch- charted higher but didn't get the goal. Right. So, which made a lot of sense. You've lost that love and feeling is one of, if not the quintessential Righteous Brothers song. I would, I would argue that they have three. I would argue that they have three. Yeah, and that, and that, yeah, that's probably one A. And I would say one B is Unchained Melody, and then one C two is Soul Inspiration. Okay, I wouldn't give it all the way one C. I would say it's two. All right, but it's still great. It's a, it, yeah. it's a great song. It's a strong album again. Uh, their vocals are a little tighter on this one, mm-hmm. and they're also a little more willing to let the other one kind of fly. Mm. It feels like they do a little bit less tandem harmony all the way through, sure, and a little bit more of back and forth, a little bit yeah. more, you know, take a lead, take a lead. Uh, they also, I believe, on this one, cover two Sam Cooke songs. They did. Um, Who doesn't cover Sam Cooke? We cover Sam Cooke. Everyone covers Sam Cooke. That's true. <laughs> but specifically, they covered Sam Cooke's song, Bring It On Home To Me. We do Which that we do that. And the reason we do that and the reason they did that is because that song requires two lead, two vocals. lead vocals. One absolute skyrocket tenor and then one bring it on baritone. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what the Righteous Brothers are. Totally. So it's a really great job to cover that song. Uh, a Change is Going to Come is the one that I don't... Th- I mean, I would argue that Bring It On Home to Me is comparable to the Sam Cooke version. The sure. only difference is I don't think Hatfield has the same emotion in his voice that yeah. Sam Cooke has. I mean, very uh, but, few I mean, do. Bill Medley, very few do. Bill Medley is, ho- is holding his own on that one. I agree. Just as good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Change is Going to Come because you don't necessarily get that same duo sound it's more of a just sam cook piece yeah it's losing a little bit of the emotion that sam cook brought to it because few people can match that intensity that sam cook brought in I, his lines i agree uh but i mean other way otherwise like it's good stuff it's good stuff it's solid stuff i know alex because you are still a small child and you like flashing colors on screens that um you're not going to really have enjoyed this one i think um but that's okay because the wiggles are there for you all right, Alex, you can you can give him your your big boy opinion. We should do the Wiggles on the podcast one day. One day we will, I think. All right. maybe like season eight or nine. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I like the album. Oh wow! Okay, wow. I liked it uh, enough. Okay, um, we'll take that. I thought, uh, did they do "Bring It On Home to Me" in a lower key than we do? Uh, I'm not sure actually. Um, I actually don't know. I don't know if that because it sounded more like it sounded like. A, like, a little more boring? Yeah. I, I wanted to say that, but I didn't want you to be like, oh, uh, boring. <laughs> <No>. Come on, <laughs> Alex. Boring. No. No, I don't um, think they did. Um, oh, actually, you know what? I think they might have brought it down into the way we had originally recorded it. Or not recorded it, but performed it. Sure. Gotcha. We used to record it. Or, I keep saying record because we just recorded it. Um, we performed it a half step down. By I the think way, that's Low Totem cover it. album, you know, coming soon. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe well, not. By the time this episode comes out. Who knows? Yeah. Who it knows? could happen. It could not happen. Good point. Um, but it like uh, uh album wasn't anything special to me. Okay. Okay. It was special to the people that bought it. It was. And it was special wow. um in some oh, ways went, to me. It went gold. Yes. So Where's our gold album, yeah, Alex? I know. 
So let me say, uh, the song that the title uh, is based on, Soul and Inspiration, is actually one of the very first songs that I remember ever hearing as a kid. Okay. I like I loved this song as a kid because uh, in addition to you know a bunch of albums that my parents would play on a regular basis when I was young, uh, one thing that they always had in the car were a few sets of um, like billboard CDs that covered like the ten, 10 of the biggest hits from this given year or like from March 1965. I believe that's hits. called now that's what I call music. Now it's something like that, but it wasn't at the time. I know. Um, I think and, you're thinking of Kids Bop. Maybe it was Kids Bop. Um, no, but I remember the song Soul and Inspiration being on there, and it was my the first song I ever heard uh, by the Righteous Brothers. And I, you know, have I look upon back upon it very fondly as like one of the first sure. things that I loved in music. Um, and the rest of the album is also really strong, and I think you've already done a really good job of kind of elucidating uh, what was good about it and what the fallbacks of it are. Yeah. Again, of course, there's only you know maybe one or two songs that they wrote on each one of these albums, so that's unfortunate. Right. I mean, but that's what they are. That's that's what they yeah. are. They're not about writing the music. They're about the the two voices. We we will get to that in the scoring. I just don't want yeah. to keep harping on it. Agreed. So speaking of just harping on it, so the Righteous Brothers, 2016. Um, yep. Again, <laughs> also known as I have a two-inch <laughs> micro penis. Yes, yeah, so that was the subtitle. Um, but it's now Bill Medley with Bucky Hurd, as you know. Um, yeah. Uh, the passing of Bobby Hatfield. So uh, different, but the same. And it's literally just. I mean, they could have. I don't know why this is a studio album and not just a greatest hits because it, it's just a greatest hits re-recorded with Bucky Hurd as the countertenor singer. But I. Seriously, not not saying that they're recorded badly uh, or that they don't sound good because they 2016, do. Twenty sixteen, so nineteen sixty three to twenty sixteen. Yeah, that's more than ten years. It is. That's a. <laughs> I would say it's more than eleven. Um, um but, but no, a, a Bill Medley's vocals uh, really impressive at the time. Still, both there of was, them. Yeah, yeah, but Bucky Hurd is not ancient like Bill Medley is. He's not young. Sure, but here's the thing about Bill. Me- I mean. There was one time. There was literally only one time where I heard his voice slip. And it wasn't even necessarily on the higher parts in his songs. So I don't know if you'll agree with me. The thing that I thought he kind of slipped up on for the first and only time was You've Lost That Love and Feeling. And it was towards the beginning, not towards the end. The higher he had to go, the more he had his voice still. Yeah. Uh, Which is cool. And I'm very glad that he still got it. Um, The production has been upped. So there's that. Because it's 2016 instead of, you know, the early 60s still. Um, and, you know, it's a greatest hits album. <laughs> so you're not going to get any bad songs. There, there are a lot of their, their best things. One thing I actually will mention is there was a song on here um, called Rock and Roll Heaven, which I just thought was a neat little tribute to a lot of people who um, died young. Like they talk about Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and Otis Redding, Jim Morrison, uh, Jim Croce. Bobby Darren, yeah. and there have been like rewritten versions of it throughout time that have also kind of talked about the passing of people like Elvis, John Lennon, Roy Orbison, uh, Jackie Wilson, Dennis Wilson, Marvin Gaye, Sam Cooke, uh, Cass Elliott, and Stevie Ray Vaughan have all been kind of uh, alluded to or remembered in the song throughout different versions throughout time. No Buddy Holly. I feel like that's a really um, big name so to there, admit. There was a band who covered this song called Climax, who uh, included Buddy Holly and Richie Valens on their version. Okay. Okay. Good. So, but they have American Pie. So, I mean, maybe uh, people I were like, right. we yeah. don't want to step on American Pie's <laughs> right, right. toes a little bit. 
That's that's a good point. Now, Alex, do you want to talk? Because I, I I have good things to say. Um, the production on this it's better, but it's also bad. Um, I get what you mean. In just once in my life, the snare sound is horrible. Like, cause you can hear the um, it the stick hit the rim shot. You can hear sure. it, and it rings, and it's not good. I get and what you mean. It's like that's all I can hear. Yeah. Um, Soul and Inspiration had fake cello. It was ugly. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. And that's how I feel about the. Album. I agree. I think it okay. was like the the technology is so much significantly better that the sound is that much better. But the care and attention that were given to the record had kind of gone down. But it's twenty sixteen. There's yeah, so there much like, been, better It should have been there. You're you're not really. you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But yeah, that was all. Okay, so uh, Bill Medley at seventy six years old sounds great. Sounds yeah. great. Like if. Either of us can sound oh a my fraction God. of <laughs> yeah, that no, good at 76. Uh, you know, I already do. At, you are 76. <laughs> right. You're currently 76. Yeah, look great, But, though. like, seriously, like, that would be amazing. I agree. Uh, but, like, I think the real star of the show here is Bucky Hurd. Okay. Because, like, Bill Medley still got it, and for his age, he still got it. But I would, I think it's a lot easier to sing Barry Bass at 76 than it is to sing full-on countertenor wailing high vocals on some of these tracks at like 51 or 52 like Bucky Hurd is. Sure. He's not young when he's doing this. No. Like are you looking it up, Alex? It looks like you're looking it up. Bucky no, Hurd was I'm born looking, in 1965. Other, other other people. So he's born in 65, it came out in 2016. I mean, it, it's it's really really impressive stuff. Yeah. Uh now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of fallbacks on this album. Uh, a lot of stuff where they played it safe. It is of course just a re-recorded greatest right. hits album. Not that we've ever you know, had that happen. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but, like, seriously, I, I think there's a lot more to like than there is to dislike. Some of the production issues I do agree with. Uh, but taking it for what it is, like, nobody would expect to get any more Righteous Brothers, especially after Hatfield's passing. Yeah, and their last album that they recorded was in 1975. Right. Before this. So. so, like, the fact that they came back and did this, and it's the quality of it, We've heard so many artists. I mean, just seriously, so many artists from this time period who've released an album this long, like this much later, and it's just heartbreaking to listen to. Yep. I mean, just it's you know, even if we just go back last week, Neil Young, while not being heartbreaking to listen to, right? That last album was a disappointment. Sure. Yeah, I agree. We we talked about it. it. This one isn't to me. I, it's it's safe and but they they've always been safe. I wouldn't yeah. expect them to start taking risks at at seventy six. I would never have expected that. Now, unfortunately, I do think this is going to be the final one. Yeah, uh, Bill yeah. Medley has now survived throat cancer. Right, I was, but I I would be shocked if he released music after that. I agree. Um, but I mean, kudos to him for pushing through it. Um, they were and, doing live stream concerts in twenty twenty. Really. Yeah, I think like late 2020. Okay, I did not know that. So, so he must have just beat. He how interesting. I'll have to look up the time frame on when he beat the throat cancer. Yeah, right. Because I know that he did in 2020, I believe. So in cool. September is when he he survives. The, this article came out that he survived throat cancer and then the unfortunate passing of his wife in 2020 in September. So then, yeah. wow, good for him. Yeah, to be able to uh, definitely to still make music after that. Uh, but seriously, that's all I've got to say. Let's grade them. All right, let's do it. Uh, so, um, 
They it, are, of It's course, the biggest one of the night. Members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I agree. Yeah. It's the biggest biggest one of the day. I don't know how crazy high we're getting on them. Vocal group Hall of Fame, too. Yeah. Oh, but they definitely... And, I mean, I think we've talked about three pretty monumental hits that have lasted through the years for them. Easily. Um, and as as well as, you know, consistently charting really well throughout the 60s and early 70s when they were... Yeah, multiple top 10 hits, including just Once in My Life, which we had not talked about, but is another larger... Sure song for them yeah uh so i mean i definitely think it's above average it's unfortunate i mean that they didn't really sell which is surprising um, yeah i mean i would i would think they just those songs sold more than albums i guess oh yeah like those songs have done really well but that's it so i'm like in the how do you how would you feel about the six range I would agree that that's probably a good place to put it. Okay. Where where in the six range would you uh, go? I mean, I would say probably no more than a six and a half. I but would agree. Definitely in between the six three to six five range. So how about six four? That's that's exactly that's what you're in between for. the six three and six five so range. So that's what they get. Sure. That's um, what they get. And again, there's there was only one gold, unfortunately. The charting numbers were good in the sixties. Yeah. Which actually the charting numbers were really good from like sixty three to sixty six. Yeah. They just released so many albums in such a short amount of time. They released four albums in 1965. Like how? How do? Well, I know how you do. That. I was about to say, how does anyone do that? I know how you do it. You don't write any songs. <laughs> then it becomes much easier to do that. We could do it. Yeah. If yeah, if they were Nick, all cover albums, we could remind them too. me. But when have we talked about Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil? On have we talked about them on the podcast? Uh, maybe a songwriters who yeah as songwriters wrote, yeah. Songs, yeah yeah they wrote a bunch well because they wrote you've lost that love and feeling but I know they've wrote, I'm pretty sure they wrote something that we I'm sure that they did. I mean they've they've written a significant amount of of music that I became know. hits I for other people I was just trying to remember I understand oh my brain doesn't work all right let's continue scoring okay yeah, let's anyway keep scoring it's what fine. are there fifteen or sixteen albums here um a number I believe it's how many of them are like greatest hits re records. N- not one. It's a non-zero. There are fifteen albums. It's at least one. One is one. So I'm going to say fourteen because we're just going to forget the entire. Because uh, there were no new songs that they hadn't previously recorded uh, on the Righteous Brothers 2016. So I'll give them fourteen albums. Uh, I can't give them any sales bump, but I can give them a quality bump from there. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but all in all, I don't think it takes us too to too much of a different place than their cultural impact took us. Yeah. Oh, I definitely agree that it doesn't. I would. I would be arguing them. I would be even be a little lower. I would too. I would be willing to give them like a six flat. I'm totally fine with that. I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, the number and then the yeah. vocal quality. But yeah. Yep. That's it. And then um, they're gonna. This is where they're. This gonna is their. Start. Yeah. This is their last good category. Yeah. Instrumental talent because they're both you know really excellent singers. Exactly. Uh, no and, doubt. And so we've had they three great in, ones on the podcast, which is fun. Yeah, and Always they brought fun. in uh, Bucky. Yeah, who did a very nice job. And he absolutely held his own. So, I, like, that's always important when totally. you have a shakeup. Yeah. Is the ability of them compared to the Agreed. the other person. And, you know, we always, to some extent, factor in the music going on behind them, which was very nice if completely unimpressive. Oh, yeah. Passable is a good term. Yeah. So, I mean, they'd get a five for the music, and I think the three vocalists are going to bump them into maybe the high fives, low sixes again. I, I'm 100% on board with you. Uh, I would be willing to go six again, honestly. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I think that's great. And then we're going to try to keep them above point one because they did, in fact, write like one or two songs on each of these records. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to have a hard time getting above like a one here. 
Yeah. Oh, for melody writing, like for just for the ability to write nice melodies. Yeah, I mean, their their melodies and their harmonies. Uh, I'd be willing to give them the one. Yeah, I think because that's like about it. I I have a hard time thinking that they were just handed sheet music with all of these harmonies. I think they probably had to come up with the way to make them sound good. Sure, I think that's fair. When you're a harmonic duo and you're in lockstep, I mean, Nick, you know how many times have we had to come up with harmonies for sure. each other? Right. And I mean, Alex, I know you don't like to sing, but you you do come up with those those third harmonies as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> poetic talent is lower. Because none well, of it was like that impressive of what wait, they what wrote. We on the, on the handful of songs for... they wrote. We gave them a one for the songwriting talent. Nah. You yeah. don't think it's lower? I think it's lower. Oh, okay, yeah. Because what they wrote was the songs that no, they I think did songwriting write themselves. Lower. Oh, no, I because okay. th- I think they came up with their harmonies and they did write. Yeah, I mean. Song. They were credited as writers on a good chunk of their nah. uh, of their songs overall. Point eight. Nah, can't do the point eight. Point nine. But here, because here's the problem. We're going to give them a point two. For the this one, that yeah, we definitely are. And honestly, it would <laughs> okay. be a point one on any other episode, except for the fact that the B fifty twos wrote multiple albums of work that all sucked. It was really so bad. they're graded. They're graded on a curve now. They get that extra point one. Uh, is there anything that's an X factor here? I think of the three artists we had today, which we I know we gave some for yeah. uh, for B fifty twos. They would be the one that could get it the easiest. But I'm not sure what it would be. Exactly. Honestly. I mean, we already gave them a little bit of a bump for the, you know, the Songwriters Hall of Fame, or not Songwriters, the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Vocalist Hall of Fame and yeah. all of those different things. I have a hard time finding a specific like, oh, that's why they're that's why they're there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so I would be cool not giving them an X factor. Then I have final scores for us. I I am sure you do. I do. Uh, and here they are. Okay. So losing uh, in last. And being terrible. I have a two-inch micropenis. Was, of course, the B-52s. Can't uh, believe it. And they lost very badly with a 17. A 17 overall. I, almost almost 12 points too high, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with you. Uh, and then, our winner today. And deservedly so, because of the nine albums that we listened to, I would rank their albums one, two, and three of everything that we heard. And it's Alan Stone. Alan Stone with a 24-9, just shy of the 25, a, wins a the episode. A low-scoring episode overall. Definitely. Uh, for multiple reasons. Of course. Um, but but congratulations to Alan Stone. Absolutely. Um, if he wants to come on anytime, I of would course. love to have What him. did the Righteous Brothers score, Nick? The Righteous Brothers scored a 19.6. Not, oh, the, oh, they were not that much higher than the B-52s. No, they were not. I disagree with that. I think we restart the well, whole episode here's the and give them at least two other points. They yeah. didn't really write any <laughs> any music, which oh, like, that the murdered B-52s, them. I I agree. The B fifty twos who never once hit average on any category. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. Insane. <laughs> insane in the membrane. Insane <laughs> in the brand. <laughs> anyway, Alan Stone is great, and all of his music is phenomenal, and he won the episode. And I well, congratulations to Alan Stone. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I feel like I've morphed next from... Next week on Totem Talks. <laughs> I feel like I've morphed from uh, from the B-52s to like a used car salesman. <laughs> like, yeah. That's... yeah, that's where we've gotten. He'd be great at commercials. He should do them. He, <laughs> he really, really should. should. But anyway, I was going to tell you guys uh, why you should stay tuned for next week. And I'm really excited for next week as well because we're going to be covering Procol Harum finally. Wow. An artist whom I've made many comparisons to with other people that we've listened to throughout our our 
two and a half. Absolutely. And I would argue that I have also done that a lot because my natural born skin tone is a whiter shade of pale. And it really is. The fact that I've even brought my skin to attention, I've now got sunburn. Yeah, you're right. Uh, So. (laughs) I'll stop looking at you. Uh, Yeah, everybody needs to just look away, please. Um, But thank you so much for listening and tuning in, guys. Thank you for tuning in every week. Uh, please make sure you're using the hashtag Totem Talks uh, to to let us know how we're doing. Let us know any ideas you have. Uh, Alex is going to be devastated to find out nobody has commented about getting Rush on this season. Uh, I know he really wanted yeah, people. Yeah, so we can't let him find out about that. Bullshit. Oh, my gosh. I did that just so you had to bleep it. I'm not going to bleep it. We've established oh, wow. that this season. Don't do it again, though. I will meet you. Okay, I'm not. I'm get, standoff. I don't. I don't. I don't trust you, them. mother. <laughs> McCree. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, please make sure you use the hashtag Totem Pucks, like I said. Uh, make sure you tune back in next week. Um, I didn't mention it in the beginning, but we have activated listener support. So if you guys like like what you're what we're doing and maybe want to throw us a little bit of a bone so we can keep the lights on, that would be great. Uh, you can find that at Anchor uh, on our main page. Uh, but most importantly, have a great day.